Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to our Sunday morning Bible class. We're podcasting a Bible class for all of those who cannot be with us in person or may not be able to be with any congregation of the Lord's Church at this particular time in person so that they can still be connected to the church and still have the opportunity to study God's Word in a very focused way. Now, if you're in the Omaha area, we encourage you to come and be with us at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in person every Sunday morning at 9.30, and that's the time that this Bible class is posted. Uh, also, come and be with us. Again, our church building is located at 3606 North 108th Street in Omaha. 3606 North 108th Street in Omaha. And you're welcome to any and all of our services. Bible classes on Sunday morning at 9.30, followed by worship at 10.30. Wednesday night Bible classes, midweek, study of God's Word, every Wednesday evening at 6.30. And again, we have classes for all ages. We hope you will come and be with us. You will always be an honored guest. And we pray that your time with us will be a blessing for you, and it certainly will be a blessing for us. But now for those who are not able to be with us, for whatever reason, maybe physical handicap or illness or maybe a scheduling problem, whatever the case might be, we're thankful to have the ability, the opportunity, the means to be able to broadcast God's Word through the medium of the internet through these podcasts. We know that people listen in other parts of the country and also literally around the world. And so again, we're thankful to be able to teach God's Word in such a broad-based way. And we're we pray that God will continue to bless us along these lines. Now, we want to encourage you to share these studies with everybody you can. Help them to get into God's Word. Help them to grow in their faith, because faith comes by hearing the Word of God. Romans 10 and verse 17. Share these studies with everybody you can. You can do that easily through Facebook friends, text messages, maybe other technological means. But make that commitment and start sharing. You may help somebody grow in their faith. You may help somebody come to God through Jesus Christ. You may help somebody get to heaven. That'll be a great blessing for them, but it will also be a great blessing for you. Also encourage them, and do this yourself, go to our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com. Scroll down the home page to the podcast button, click on that, and sign up for our podcasting. It is free. Using our website is free. Enrolling in our podcasting is free. Always will be free. We're not after people's wallets. We want to help people get to heaven. And when someone enrolls in our podcasting, signs up for our podcasts, they will automatically receive to their smart device, whether it's your smartphone or computer or laptop or pad or tablet or whatever it might be, you'll automatically receive our Sunday morning Bible class, all of our sermons, our Wednesday night Bible class, and also a great daily, seven-day-a-week, short Bible study to get you into God's Word every day for a few minutes, about 13 minutes, called Today's Bible Class. And even that short period of time, it helps you to stay connected with God and to maintain a more spiritual mindset to be able to deal with all that life throws at you every day. They'll also receive our Monday through Friday daily radio program, Search the Scriptures. All of that will automatically go to their smart device. And while at our website, 
people can access hundreds of sermons, and those are now being posted in video format as well as audio format. They can also download, read, and study through hundreds of scripturally based and spiritually focused articles covering a wide variety of spiritual topics. Well, all of that again is free, and it always will be free. Tremendous Bible study resources right there just for the asking and using. No charge. We want to help people get to heaven. So tell everybody you can and access our website yourself as well. Grow in God's word. Grow in your faith. Our prayers are with you and our prayers are for you. We're going to get back into our study talking about the early history of Israel uh, and we're in Exodus chapters 23 and 24. Now last time we looked at chapter 23 beginning with verse 20 and we talked about the angel and the promises. I want to just read through that text quickly, it's not very long, and then look at chapter 24, at least a part of chapter 24. Behold, I send an angel before you, now this is God speaking to the people through Moses, Behold, I send an angel before you to keep you in the way and to bring you into the place which I have prepared. Well, the place that God had prepared for the Israelites whom he was fashioning into, molding, shaping into the nation of Israel. They would be his people, his chosen people, through whose bloodline the Savior would come into the world by God's sending and design. And so he says, the, I send an angel before you to keep you in the way and to bring you into the place which I have prepared. That place was the land of Canaan. That was what was referred to as the promised land, going all the way back to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. Well, God sending an angel before them to continue to guide them to the promised land, that place which God has prepared for them. Now, there's some warning here and instruction as well. Beginning in verse 21 of Exodus chapter 23, God says, Beware of him and obey his voice. Do not provoke him, for he will not pardon your transgressions, for my name is in him. But if, and there's that big word conditional, if you indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. And they would meet enemies and adversaries along the way, and even after they possessed the land. For my angel will go before you and bring you in, in to the Amorites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, and I will cut them off. In other words, God says, I will give you victory over them. Another way to translate that from the original language is, I will annihilate them. Well, we look at that and we say, what? God, a loving God, is talking about annihilating or destroying a people? Remember in, in Noah's day when God brought the flood upon all of the earth and destroyed all of humanity with the exception of Noah and his family? What was the reason for that? The depth and extent of sin in the lives of everybody. Only Noah and his family were found righteous and God spared humanity through that one family. Well, here he's talking about nations of peoples 
that had become so ungodly. They had turned so far away from God. They were idol worshipers. And so God is bringing judgment upon them. Verse 24, you shall not bow down to their gods, those idols, nor serve them, nor do according to their works, but you shall utterly overthrow them and completely break down their sacred pillars. In other words, when you get into that land that I'm going to give you, that I prepared for you, that I promised to you through your forefathers for hundreds and hundreds of years, I want you to completely obliterate all of the signs, all of the remnants, all of the, the indications of the peoples who live there of their idol worship. You tear down all those altars. You do away with all of those sites at which they worship their idols. Don't leave them there. Now, we might say, okay, I think I can understand that. God wanted to completely do away with those, those places of that false religious practice because it was false. And he wanted to show that there was no place in, in the land of his people for those images and, and even those former places of worship. But also understand that I think inherent within these instructions from God to the Israelites was, I don't want you to leave anything that might be a temptation later on down the road for you to worship idols. I suspect, now I, I cannot corroborate this through scripture, but I suspect that the reason that it would come later when, God, when, when the Israelites would finally cross the Jordan River to possess the promised land, Moses would die. God would not allow him to cross the river because of disobedience at one particular point as he was leading the Israelites through the wilderness wanderings. And so that was God's judgment upon Moses. But Moses died, and God took care of his burial. None of the Israelite people knew where Moses was buried. And now I suspect that one reason for that was that if they knew where Moses, this great leader, whom they revered, if they knew where his burial place was, well, the devil might be able to use that as a temptation for them to see it as a holy place, a place of worship, and maybe even worship that burial place or Moses through that burial site. Now, I'm just telling you a feeling that I've had a, for many, many years as to why God did not let the people of Israel know where he buried Moses so that it could not become ever a temptation for them to incorporate some form of idol worship through coming to that particular site and worshiping it or worshiping the grave of Moses and maybe even putting Moses up in a position of deity in their minds. So God just did not let them know where he buried Moses. Well, he did not want them to leave any semblance of those places of idol worship in the promised land where he would lead them and give them that land where they are, were supposed to drive out all of the residents there or else kill them. He did not want them to leave any remnants of those false worship sites 
And I think part of that was because he did not want any of those sites, any of those remnants to ever become a, a point of temptation for them that the devil could use to pull them into the worship of idols. Verse 25, you shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and your water, and I will take sickness away from the midst of you. No one shall suffer miscarriage or, miscarriage or be barren in your land. I will fulfill the number of your days. I will send my fear before you. I will cause confusion among all the people to whom you come, and will make all your enemies turn their backs to you. In other words, run away. So God's going to give them victory over their enemies. They're still going to have to fight the battles. But God's already assured them ahead of time, I will give you victory over those enemies. I will send hornets before you, which shall drive out the Hivite, the Canaanite, and the Hittite from before you. Interesting imagery there. Um, does he mean literal hornets? Well, maybe, but I suspect it's it, it's you know kind of a... a, a, a verbal or, 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 you know, kind of imagery that he's using in very illustrative language there. I'm going to send something to confuse them perhaps, or, or maybe it's just going to be, I'm going to send such a state of your power militarily, it's going to drive them out. Whatever it is, God is saying, I'm going to give you the victory. I'm going to drive them out, whoever you don't kill in the battle. Um, I will not drive them out from before you in one year, he says, lest the land become desolate and the beasts of the field become too numerous for you. So he said, don't expect this all to happen overnight. It's, I'm going to drive them out. I'm going to, maybe he's just going to confuse them. And that's the imagery of the hornets there over a period of time. And they're going to leave after a while. They're going to see that they, that you're too powerful for them. And they're just going to go someplace else. Well, but I'm not going to do it right away. It, it's not even going to do it in the first year because I don't want the land to become wild before you. Little by little, I will drive them out from before you and, and until you have increased and you inherit the land. So you're going to grow in your population and you're going to become more and more skillful, able, and adept to possess all of that land that I have laid out for you in a productive way. So be patient should be the message here for the people of Israel. I will set your bounds from the Red Sea to the sea, Philistia, and from the desert to the river. For I will deliver the inhabitants of the land into your hand, and you shall drive them out before you. In other words, again, he's saying, I'm going to give you the victory. I'm going to give you that land. You shall make no covenant, no covenant with them. That is no treaty, no agreement. You don't, you don't, enter into any kind of a, a, a treaty with them, you drive them out or destroy them in the process because they could become an, an avenue again of temptation for the devil to lead you into their idolatry, away from me. You should make no covenant with them nor with their gods, idols, lowercase g. They shall not dwell in your land lest they make you sin against me for if you serve their gods, it will surely be a snare to you. Twice in that text, he's used that big word, if, very conditional world, word. If God's blessings upon Israel would be conditional upon their remaining faithful 
and dedicated and obedient to him. Now let's pick up chapter 24. Now he said to Moses, come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, Nadab and Abihu, sons of Aaron. And these were to be the priests, the first priests of Israel. And 70 of your elders of Israel and worship from afar. So he says, you come so far, come up to the Lord, come up to a particular point at the mountain, Mount Sinai, and worship from afar. You bring Aaron with you, Nadab and Abihu, his two sons. These three, Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, would be the first priests of Israel, and 70 of the elders of Israel, and worship from afar. Now, they were not to come all the way up onto the mountain, where God would call Moses to come up alone, but they were to come up to some proximity before the mountain and worship from afar. So Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the judgments. And all the people answered with one voice and said, all the words which the Lord has said, we will do. Isn't that a great unanimity of dedication and commitment? All that the Lord has said, we will do. The people of Israel, they were united in their commitment and dedication to be obedient to God's teachings and instructions. That's great. But it would not be long until they turned their back on God to a great extent. And they would struggle with this commitment and dedication on an ongoing basis for quite a number of years. In fact, for generations and generations and generations. But that comes later. How, we could think about life as we, as we see it in the lives of others around us and probably through self-examination in our own lives. Isn't there a great tendency to say, oh, I love God? Yes, I will dedicate my life to God. I will be obedient to his teachings through the rest of my life. And then, but the devil starts working on those individuals and he works on you and me and tries to draw us away from that commitment, to soften our commitment and dedication, and to lead us into degrees of disobedience. And some of that disobedience might simply be a lack of overt obedience to God. And so we become sinners by omission, by not doing what God has instructed us in his word to do, to be faithful followers of him. I can't tell you how many people I have seen baptized into Christ who disappeared very quickly. And I mean sometimes maybe within a week or two. Now they made that commitment. They were ready to make that commitment. They were ready to be baptized for the remission of their sins. But within a very short period of time, you did not see them anymore. What happened? They did not remain true to their commitment. The text goes on. In verse 5, uh, verse 4 again, Moses wrote all the words of the Lord. Now, Moses wrote all the words of the Lord down. When we look at the scriptures, the Bible, we have no reason to say, well, I did not know the Lord's will. I did not know what I was supposed to obey and, and, and be sure that I did not disobey. I did not know what his instructions were. 
No, we know. We have the opportunity to know. It's written down for us. And even in that ancient day, Moses wrote all the words of the Lord. And he rose early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain and, and 12 pillars according to the tw 12 tribes of Israel. Then he sent young men of the children of Israel who offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen to the Lord. They were worshiping God openly and, and really in a broad-based, you know, we might say strong way, not little penances here and there. And Moses took half the blood and put it in basins and half the blood he sprinkled on the altar. And he took the book of the covenant and read in the hearing of the people. So he wrote down the words of the Lord and he's reading the, these words to the people. A lot of people, they, they, they don't want to be in church services. Even though Hebrews chapter 10 verses 23 through 25 tells us the advantage, but also the instruction from God. He wants us to meet with the church as the church on a regular basis. And by a regular basis, I don't mean once a year or twice a year or even four times a year. The church meets every first day of the week, minimum. And God wants us to be with the church as the church meets at least once a week on Sundays, first day of the week, to study his word, to worship him, to partake of the Lord's Supper, to strengthen and encourage one another and be encouraged by one another. Hebrews 10, verses 23 through 25. Not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together. That's verse 25. Now, a lot of people, well, that's my only day to sleep in. Um, come back after worship service and then take a nap. Work something out. Don't stay up so late the night before. Whatever, you know that is a lame, lame excuse for not being there. But see, a lot of people's focus is not what it should be, not as spiritual as it should be. And so they find all kinds of excuses for not being there to listen to the word of God being read and taught. Moses took the book of the covenant and read in the hearing of the people. And look at what they said again. All that the Lord has said, we will do and be obedient. We've got to get out of a mindset that we can somehow in our minds worship God or be true to God or be dedicated to God without doing what God has said to worship him and be true to him and be dedicated to him. The church is here on this earth for a reason. It's not accidental and it's not happenstance. We are to be active, an active part of the, of the Lord's church. And remember that the Lord adds to his church those who come to salvation. Acts 2 and verse 47. Don't let the devil hoodwink you into thinking, the church is not important. It's not that big a deal if you're not there. It's certainly not that big a deal if you're not there every Sunday or every time the church meets. Don't let him lead you into sin. 
along those lines, you need the strength, the guidance, the teaching that comes by being together with your brothers and sisters in Christ regularly, consistently, as they meet together as the church to worship God and study his word. Verse 8, And Moses took the blood, sprinkled it on the people, and said, This is the blood of the covenant which the Lord has made with you, according to all these words. Boy, again, what graphic imagery that is. This is the blood of the covenant which the Lord has made with you, according to all these words. It's easy to make a statement of commitment to God verbally, especially at an emotional moment. But to live that commitment takes dedication, focus, and ongoing commitment. And we call that faithfulness. Jesus said in Revelation 2 and verse 10, Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. Now the rest of chapter 24. Then Moses went up, also Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel. Now, I don't know if this means they went up a little ways up of the mountain or just got closer to the mountain, Mount Sinai. And they saw the God of Israel, and there was under his feet, as it were, a paved work of sapphire stone, and it was like very heavy, uh, it, was, it was like the very heavens in its clarity. But on the nobles of the children of Israel, he did not lay his hand, so they saw God, and they ate and drank and drank. Then the Lord said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain and be there. And so he calls Moses to come up into his presence. And I will give you tablets of stone and the law and commandments which I have written that you may teach them. We understand that this is at least in part to be the Ten Commandments written on tablets of stone. So Moses arose, arose with his assistant Joshua, and Moses went up to the mountain of God. And he said to the elders, Wait here for us until we come back to you. Indeed, Aaron and Hur are with you. If any man has a difficulty, let him go to them. So Moses says, I'm going to be away from you for a while. He doesn't know how long at this point. Then Moses went up into the mountain, and a cloud covered the mountain. Now the glory of the Lord rested on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days. And on the seventh day he called to Moses out of the midst of the, of the cloud. The sight of the glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire on the top of the mountain in the eyes of the children of Israel. So Moses went into the midst of the cloud and went up into the mountain, and Moses was on the mountain forty days and forty nights. Forty days and forty nights really not that long a period of time. But the people, they became concerned, anxious that Moses was not there in front of them and among them. They looked at him too much as being their physical leader when they should have been looking to God right there, his presence being obvious on the mountain and trusting God to take care of Moses and take care of them. But Moses and that extended departure, that extended absence from their physical presence, that became a temptation for them that the devil used. Moses 
might be gone forever. Noses might be dead. What will we do? What will we do? Our leader is no more. Well, it was only 40 days and 40 nights. But this was a test for them in reality. And unfortunately, a great many of them failed the test. So even though they had said, whatever the Lord has said, we will do. And they reemphasized that, making that same statement again. Forty days later or so, they're going to turn away from God. How sad. That is the fickleness of humanity. And we need to guard against it in our lives. Let's pray. Father, help us to never wane in our commitment and dedication and faithfulness to you. Help us to always realize that faithfulness to you, dedication, commitment is serious and it is consistent. It is every day, all day throughout our lives, Father. And we pray, help us, bless us to be the shining lights to the unbelievers out there, to those who have not come to you through Jesus Christ, to those who need to find forgiveness and salvation from you through their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Help us to help those people see that light and to come to you, Father, through Christ. Please oversee the situations around the world right now, Father. The world is in turmoil, and it so desperately needs your guidance, your blessings, your deliverance. We pray for these, Father, all according to your will and to your glory. Please forgive us, gracious Father. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.